Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me better? I, uh, I'm Preston Pitts, uh, elder here, and uh, I am privileged today uh, to lead us into the Word of God and share in the excitement of what God's going to reveal to each and every one of us today. What an exciting thing to think about. Um, I am going to stretch you a little bit this morning, though, and you'll see why. Because I'm going to ask you to use your imagination, and the imagination is going to be, I want you to picture yourself in a warm, sunny place. <laughs> I want you to picture yourself, actually, you're walking down to a beautiful harbor on the ocean, and in that harbor, the excitement for you is, you're going to get on a sailboat. You've never been sailing before. You're excited. And so you go down and you find the boat that is, uh, is for you. And you look at it and you go, oh, my, it's magnificent. So you get on the boat and you realize it's been freshly painted. You realize they've just redone the woodwork. In fact, it's been refinished and it's glistening in the sunlight. You go downstairs and you look and the furnishings are wonderful. All the creature comforts are there. And you go into the galley, and it's stocked full. And you're like, wow, this is going to be a great trip. So you go back upstairs, and the captain says, okay, we're getting ready to leave. We're going to motor out, and then we'll go out into the open ocean. We'll hoist the sails, and we'll take off. So sure enough, you're on the boat. They get out of the harbor. They get to the ocean, to the, uh, to the, out in the, to the open ocean. They hoist the sail, and... Nothing happens. The boat just sits there. And in fact, the waves are kind of tossing it back and forth. Why? There's no wind. Now, why do I give you that illustration? Because for many of us who are Christians, our life is powerless and is we're adrift and not knowing exactly where we're going. So today, we want to talk about making sure that we're living a life that is filled with power and is filled with direction. So we're going to go into Scripture together. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sure some of you are going, wait a minute. I've accepted Christ. My sins are forgiven. And I have the Holy Spirit that guarantees my inheritance. So how can that be? That my life would not be with, filled with power and with direction. And so first I do want to pause for a second. Because I don't want to minimize it. But we should praise God and Jesus for his sacrifice that gives us eternal life. But, so I want you to make sure I'm not diminishing that in, anything, in any way. That is most important, eternal life we've been given through Christ. But Jesus says there's more to life than that. You're still living here, and I want you to live a life that brings me glory, that is centered on me, and is empowered so that the outward world will see that you are different and your life is a living testimony to who I am. So that's what we're going to talk about today is life, living life. So if you'll turn with me, our scripture, 
for today is John chapter 16. And we're going to start in verse 7 and go through verse 15. So I'll read that. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I said that He will take of Mine and declare it to you. So we're going to start out with verse 7. And in verse 7, Jesus references the helper. Jesus knows that we cannot live the life he intends for us without divine help. So who is the helper? The Holy Spirit is the helper. And who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is revealed through Scripture from Genesis all the way through Revelation, showing and revealing His mighty work and His power and His essential um, essence to God's work and God accomplishing His purposes for mankind. So the Holy Spirit is the helper. And as we think about that, what a wonderful thing. We have divine help. And what I wanted to do, just to give you a better appreciation for this, is I've listed eight things, eight roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our life. And this is not even exhaustive. These are just some. So I'm going to put them up here. And if you can just take a moment and read them, and I'll read them with you. He guides believers into all truth. He glorifies Jesus. He convicts the world of sin and righteousness. He reveals and assures us that we are children of God. He helps us pray. He helps us conform or be transformed our character to be like Christ. He illuminates things that God has prepared for us to believe. And not sour, it's really <laughs> quite sweet. It's a sweet thing. Sorry, I didn't, didn't catch that. <laughs> Brings the power of God to believers. So, I think we should be encouraged. Look at all the activities 
that the Holy Spirit is desiring to play in our life to cause us to have the life that God intended, to have the abundant life, and to help us build a life worth living. And I'm sorry I didn't start out with all that, but we are building on that series, building a life worth living. Having the Holy Spirit is an essential part of that. So now we have an idea of the Holy Spirit and who, who He is. So I want to go back to John chapter 16, and I'm going to do a little interlude here, and we're going to go through verse 8 through 11. And when He has come, uh, just so you know, there are, uh, there are Bibles in the, in, the, in the pews, so you can just, you know, please feel free to grab one of those. And when he, you can tell I'm old school, pew, sorry about that, in the chairs. <laughs> oh, well. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, I pause here because mostly what we're going to be talking about are we as believers and us getting so connected and in relationship with the Holy Spirit that we're living this vibrant, abundant life that God has called us to. However, I want to make sure if there's anyone in here that doesn't believe in Jesus, hasn't accepted Him as Lord, and hasn't been forgiven your sins, I want to take a moment and point out that's part of the role of the Holy Spirit also. We have a loving God that is working in the world, and He, in these scriptures, is calling you who have not accepted Christ to understanding. So bear with me. I'm going to go through this. And if it hits a nerve with anybody, just remember, when God convicts us, and you're going to see it as we go through, it's a time to respond. And it's a loving response. It's a loving way that God works in our life. And if you need to talk to anybody, we're going to have people back here you can pray with and you can seek out somebody else to talk about what it means to be a believer. So here we go with verse 8. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. We're talking about the sin here of the fact recognizing that you Sin. Sin separates you from God. It means you need a Savior. So the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, reminding you you need a Savior. The second verse, which is verse 10, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. The Holy Spirit will convict you, bring to mind, help you understand Jesus is the only one righteous. Jesus was the only one that could pay the price for our sins. And he, on the third day, arose and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And his, his righteousness will cover you so that you can have eternal life. So the Holy Spirit wants you to understand that. But the Holy Spirit also wants you to know in the next verse. 
Holy Spirit convicts you of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit also wants to make you sure you understand that if you do not accept Christ as your Savior, you're aligning yourself with the world, whether you realize it or not, whether you're a good person, whether you're a nice person, you're aligned with the world and there will be a judgment. So it's an important thing to understand the work of the Holy Spirit, even in unbelievers. Now, there's elements of us for teaching in here, but we're not going to go through that today. But keep that in mind. Holy Spirit is calling and helping you get understanding. And if you're convicted, nothing more exciting. I'm going to hopefully say it three times today. If you're convicted over anything, celebrate. Why? God is revealing something to you. He wants you to know and he wants you to change. And through his power, he'll change it. So celebrate. So anyway, back to the story at hand. So we are, have a helper and we are living this life. And we are saying we want a powerful, active life that has direction for us. So let's turn to a scripture that's going to help us begin to understand that. And we're going to turn to Ephesians 5.18. So you have the Gospels and Acts and Corinthians, and then you get to Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians. We're in Ephesians 5.18. And I'm just going to read the last part. I'd love to talk to you about the first part, but we're going to just talk about the last part. And all it says is, but be filled with the Spirit. How many of y'all heard that term? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I would like to point out a couple of things. Be filled with the Spirit is a command. We're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Second, it's written in the present tense, which means that it is to be continuous. It is to be a normal part of our Christian life is to be filled with the Holy Spirit daily. And then I want to correct what I think is a misunderstanding or misperception about this verse. And that is that some people think to get filled with the Holy Spirit you have to have some special anointing, and that special anointing is for some people that are more holy than others. Nothing could be further from the truth. What this verse is referring to, it's telling us we need to die to ourselves. If you recall, Christ said that. Die to yourself daily, take up your cross and follow me. Paul says it in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no, live, I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. So what we're saying is, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to die to yourself. Why is that? Think about it. It means that I have to get myself out of the way so the Holy Spirit has access to every aspect of my life. Therefore, when he takes access to every aspect of my life, what am I? I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So here we're talking, 
dying to ourselves. That's what this is referring to. So we can, the Holy Spirit will take the place of us getting out of the way. And he will be the guide and the force in our life because we permit that. So how, but it's a command, so it means we're active in it. We participate in it. And so what do we do? And I think there are three essential things that we do to make that happen, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And everything, every one of them still goes back to, I have to have the help of the Holy Spirit to accomplish it, which is always interesting. Holy Spirit is always evident in everything spiritual. So for us, first thing is, we need to know, we need to believe, we need to act as if Jesus is Lord over our life. He is Lord. He has the right to live in our life. He has the right to guide us in everything we do. And we should love that because the power of Christ living in and through us is what we're desiring. So we need to know that Christ is Lord over our life. That's part of when we get this mindset of being able to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us in every aspect of our life. The second thing is we need to yield up, get rid of anything that hinders us from having Christ as the, as the Lord over our life. Any idol, anything that, um, that hinders us that we put before him so that he maintains, he is, continues to be our first love. So those things we need to get rid of. And the third, this one's similar to that one, but I love it because it gives a different perspective. And the third one is we need to realize we are powerless. We have no power to change ourselves. Only the Holy Spirit can change us and equip us to do the things of God. We can't do it. When you have this mentality, just think about that. What's my natural response? I want to go to the Holy Spirit, so I want to permit Him to have access to everything because I know I can't do it. Let me give you an example. I wake up this morning, and I go, Lord, pornography is in my life. Pornography, this is not a testimony, by the way. This is a... But, but no, it's, it's important, I think, example, because, Lord, pornography is in my life. It's hindering my relationship with you. It's hindering me as a husband. It's hindering me as a father. I know that I need to quit participating in pornography. Lord, I promise you today, I'm stopping. What happens that night? I go back in and I participate in pornography. Why? I'm trying to do it on my own power. I am powerless. Here's another way, and it's kind of a, a playoff on Paul's teaching about prayer life. Here's the way you pray when you believe the Holy Spirit is leading your life and you want Him full in your life. My prayer would be something different, like, Lord, I get up this morning, pornography is in my life. It is affecting my relationship with my wife, myself, and, and, and my children, and you in particular. So, Holy Spirit, I can't break this. I'm in bondage over this. I need you to change my desire 
I need you to make pornography distasteful to me. I need you to convict me that this is an affront to God and may it break my heart. So heal me, Holy Spirit, of this. Do you see the difference? So when you have an idea you're powerless, you're going to call on the power of the Holy Spirit instead of yourself. And so we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I have a quote up here that I think kind of puts this in a great summary. And that would be the Andrew Murray quote. And isn't that beautiful? I'm going to read it. My, bre- my brethren, it is an unspeakable, holy, and glorious thing that a man can be filled with the Spirit of God. It demands inevitably that the present occupant and governor of the heart, our individual self, be cast out, and everything be surrendered into the hands of the new inhabitant, the Spirit of God. If only we could understand that the joy and power of being filled with the Spirit will come once we comply with the first and principal condition, namely that He alone be acknowledged as our life and our, I say, Lord. So I think that sums up kind of what we're talking about here. That's what we're after, and that's what we want to participate with the Holy Spirit to happen, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So now we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to John and chapter 16, to our anchor verse, and we are going to look at verse 13 through... 15. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So I'm going to go to another verse that's going to give you a little better visual of what we're talking about. It's a verse you're probably familiar with. And we're going to flip over to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and verse 25. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. So now we have a picture of daily life with who? What was the new name that was given in John chapter 16, verse 13? The Spirit of Truth. So we are now walking with the Spirit of Truth. And so we're now describing life walking. A couple of things here. It's a command to walk in the Spirit. It's also present tense, so it's supposed to be continuous, an everyday thing for us also. So we have two things working. We're being filled with the Holy Spirit every day. We're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And life should be good. Walking in the Spirit, let me tell you about that. There's a couple of things to understand here. Walking is a daily experience, and you hear us talk about abiding When we start walking with the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, 
He will lead us into that intimate, abiding relationship with Christ. And He will participate in every aspect of our life. What He will do is He will, through the abiding part, He will begin to reveal things to us. He'll reveal the truth of our circumstances. He'll reveal things about us that need to be healed because a big part of this spirit of truth and walking with Him is that we want to become more Christ-like. We want to, the sanctification process, the maturity and the becoming more like Christ means that our character and our nature have to be changed. So He daily wants us to ask Him to help us and reveal things to us. So part of what we're talking about is revealing. He reveals the truths of everything in our life. He puts us into that relationship with God. And a big part of walking with the Holy Spirit is we begin to understand the will of God. And think about this for a second. When we begin to know that we're in the will of God, we're beginning to be, and this is why I called it, on adventure with the Holy Spirit. We're on an adventure. We want to be with God where He's working. He will reveal to us where He's working. He wants us to join Him in that. And I'm going to ask you a question. Will God ever ask us to do something that we don't think we're capable of doing? All the time. What he wants is us to be a people that allow him to work his power through us. So when, when we're walking with the Holy Spirit, he will lead us into particular places and, and people. He will ask us to do things that we're maybe uncomfortable about. But remember this, the key in walking is obedience. If we're obedient, we will follow where he leads, we will do what he asks, and the outcome is the miraculous. There's nothing more exciting than God saying, I don't want my people just to do nice things. I want my people to do the things I guide them to do and allow my power to go through them to accomplish things only I can accomplish. And the outside world goes, wow, God's people are with God. It gives us testimony and it brings glory to God. So we're on an adventure with God when we're walking with the Holy Spirit. We're active, we're engaged, and a big part of that will be the Holy Spirit, and I did not put that up there as one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, will give us spiritual gifts will call us to different types of service in the body of Christ, but He will equip us to do whatever He asks us to do. Therefore, He brings harmony and unity and vibrancy to, his, to all of us as, as the church, as the body of Christ. So when we're walking with the Holy Spirit, our individual lives, or whether we're a part of this body of Christ, we're receiving guidance, and we're receiving power, and we're receiving clarity, and we're receiving a life that is filled with all kinds of wonderful events happening. I'm hoping, uh, you know, for some of you, you may go, ugh, drudgery. I have to give up this. 
I have to go and do that. I'm, I've lost control over my life. But I can tell you the vibrancy of a life walking in the Holy Spirit is magnificent. So I want to give you a little bit of a, a contrast here. But first, I want to make a statement. So we are now filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are walking with the Holy Spirit. Life should be wonderful, correct? Should be. But what's a red alert? I think I put it on your notes. Red alert, red alert. We're still involved in the process. Our nature is to revert to self. There are three things we can do to the Holy Spirit. We can grieve Him, resist Him, and quench His work. Wow. We have power. And we have to be very careful and mindful of it. And that's one reason I bring it up. The more mindful of it we are, the more we'll see the danger of it. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Ironically, Paul, when he was doing, talking about, the, um, about prayer, he made a statement. He said, well, wouldn't it be wonderful if our children would listen to us and all these mistakes I've made, I could coach them and guide them and they would listen to me and they would avoid all these problems in their life. Well, I'm getting ready to challenge you the same thing. The Holy Spirit says, walk where I tell you to walk. Avoid that temptation. Don't go into that relationship. The Holy Spirit's warning us all the time. And what happens when we don't listen? We grieve him. As a parent is grieved, we grieve him. It shows the loving heart God has for us. We grieve him when we don't listen. So remember that. So I challenge you. You want to be a good child? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Second is that um, we can resist the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is grieved, he's also starting to convict us. And when he convicts us, he's saying, I want to tell you, this is serious. You need to turn from that and turn back to me. And one thing you should know, and I'm repeating it again, when you're convicted, it's a wonderful thing. God's saying, don't do that. Come back to my relationship. However, we have the power to resist. And when we do, we move more and more to ourself. We move more into a life of this world and of sin. And what happens? We begin to jeopardize the relationship with the Holy Spirit. We do not lose the Holy Spirit. We do not lose our salvation. But we can break the relationship where our life is like that sailboat, kind of being tossed back and forth and not having any power or direction. So what we're saying is, is caution, don't resist the Holy Spirit. The third one is quench the Holy Spirit. It's a little different. Typically happens in, it can happen in a husband and wife. It can happen in a, uh, in a group. The Holy Spirit starts to work through somebody. And there's like, wow, I see God working over there. We need to join him. This is gonna be exciting. And a, one or two or three people go, no, we can't do that. We, can't have, we don't have the financial resources. We don't have the time and energy to go do that. They begin to quench the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you're the person the Holy Spirit's working through, guard against that. But if you're the person that's coming through, guard against that. Because I will tell you, all three of these are devastating. Why? Because I'm going to paint a picture for you. I'm a positive person. 
but I think it's more impactful to point to bring the negative out here. What happens when I begin to quench the Holy Spirit, resist the Holy Spirit, and grieve the Holy Spirit? I begin to revert back to self. My spiritual discernment is diminished. My prayer life is reduced. I don't think it's that important anymore. I don't see any power in it. I begin to lose my love for God's people and lose my love for the church. I don't see the excitement anymore of walking in the Holy Spirit. I'm really more concerned about myself. So you paint a picture where peace and joy are leaving you, where you are sitting there and you're not being uh, enlightened anymore. You're not have the spiritual vibrancy that you had. And you begin to lose that. And I'm going to give you a testimony, and I, I may have done it before, but that happens to, had happened to me about a year and a half ago. I've been abiding, and I've been vibrant, and, and I got so into work, and ironically, the move up here, that I just totally quit abiding. I quit doing things that I know. I quit getting in close relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I have a couple of people right there that would give you great testimony. It was not pretty. And uh, it's weird. It's like when that happens, so I give you a live testimony. That will happen to you. So avoid that. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit because the opposite is we're walking with the Holy Spirit. We hear from God. We're guided and we know what to do. We understand God's will. My love for my brothers and sisters is, is enhanced more and more. My love for God and the fire of the Holy Spirit, the essence of who I am in Christ, knowing that He's using me, and I see things happening that are changing the world and changing people's lives, and I see glory being brought to God, that's what we're about. That's what we're talking about. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're walking with the Holy Spirit, you're going to see the power of God at work in your personal life, in this church, and in our communities. It's wonderful. So that's what I want you to walk away with. And then I would like to just close with this example that I think drives it home. And that would be, this is a story about a young man. So we're in to the mid-1800s. Am I too far along, Paul, or am I okay? Okay. Uh, mid-1800s, and there's a father, a mother, and a son. And sure enough, the father dies, the sole breadwinner for the family. 1800s, England, tough place to be. So after everything's settled, the mother and the son look at each other and say, wow, what are we going to do? The mother says, well, you know, I'll at least start taking in laundry. <laughs> and the son says, I'm going to go try to find a job. And he searches and he searches and he can't find a job. And then he comes back one day and he says, Mother, I hate to tell you this, but the only thing available is I can go get a job if I go to Australia. But I'm going to go to Australia and I will continue to send you money to help you. So sure enough, he goes to Australia, he's working, and the mother gets a postcard from him. It's beautiful and magnificent. And she gets a series of postcards over nine months. And she puts these up and calls her friends in and says, wow, my son must be on a great adventure. The postcards are filled with magnificent landscapes, with animals, 
with big cities, with big boats, and they're beautiful and they're well-colored and they're magnificent, so she keeps putting them up on her wall. After nine months, the son comes back and he's looking at the house and he can tell, well, it's deteriorated. He puts his foot on the front step and it begins to sag. And he goes in and he looks and there's not as much furniture in the house and things are unkept. And mother walks around the corner and he goes, mother, what's wrong? You've lost so much weight. You look, you look like life has beat you down. What is happening? And she goes, son, well, I've done the best I can do. Not only did I do laundry, I, I cooked for people. I go clean their houses. I'm doing everything I can to survive. But I didn't have any money. But let me, here, let me take you into the room over here. Don't say anything. Let me just go in here. I want to show you all the postcards you sent me. I put them on all the wall. They're magnificent. And he goes, Mother, those are not postcards. They're money orders. And if you ever seen money orders, they look miraculous. They're in the old days especially. So what's the point of that story? We need to make sure that if you recall the verses we had um, in John 15, John 16, Jesus will make available through the Holy Spirit all the resources in heaven for us. The question is, are we recognizing the blessings and the power and the gift that God wants us to have to live the fullness of life, to live a God-centered life, to build a life worth living. He has all those resources for us. Do we recognize it? The best way to recognize it is through walking and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you can receive all of those. And I'm going to close with this verse because it just summarizes it. And I don't think you would have appreciated it if I'd have read it too early. And it's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. So just close your eyes. I'm going to read it to you. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Is there anything that we're lacking? So that's the end of the verse, sorry. Is there anything we're lacking? His divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's made His precious promises available to us. And when we walk with the Holy Spirit, part of His role is to reveal to us the promises of God available to us for whatever the circumstances is that the Holy Spirit reveals. We can walk in the power of God when we walk with the Holy Spirit and we're filled with Him. So let us pray. Lord, we thank You for this wonderful day. We thank You that we're Your people who've gathered together to serve You, to worship You, to praise You and to learn from your word how to live life. We pray, Father, that we draw close to the Holy Spirit, that we are filled with him, 
and that we are blessed with his holy presence by we walking with us daily. Thank you for the gift of the helper. Thank you for the spirit of truth. We know how much you love us, Lord, and may we walk in that love and devotion and may to overflowing that the outside world will see that we are your people and we're a testimony to who you are. In your name, Jesus, amen.